this is not an adventure for the faint of heart. Let's put it that way. This, this is, Gary intended this when he wrote it to be not Tomb of Horrors level, but a real challenge. And I viewed it as part of my mission to keep that, that spirit. That if you're a really good party and you make it through, you really earned something by doing it. It wasn't just, you know, yeah, but it's because we were X level and therefore could just smash the whole thing to bits. You, know, you really have to, you know, somebody who finishes this should be really proud of themselves. If you say the real life ends up your days and you don't have time to play, well, midlife is the best time to start a new role playing phase. And you need a rescue, Chase coming at you with a rescue, a role play rescue. Chase gonna help my friend, let's sit down the game again. Hello Rescuers, my name is Che Webster and this is Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our lost roleplaying hobby. This is Season 9, Episode 9, and it's a very special opportunity indeed. From the desert of the necropolis, today I'm joined by Mark Greenberg. Mark is co-author of The World of the Lost Lands by Frog God Games, the setting of Rappanathek and the myriad Frog God and Necromancer game adventures, and he's also the author of the currently kickstarting adventure for 5e and Swords and Wizardry, Necropolis. So welcome, Mark, and thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity, Che. I know we're here to talk about Necropolis, but I really would like to first go back to the beginning, if I may. Absolutely. How far back? Well, how did you get started with role-playing games? Oh, that isn't that far back. Isn't it? Not, not in geologic time. Um, so my first experience was when my parents bought me the Holmes box set. Oh, lovely. Uh, I'm almost afraid to admit how many years ago that was at this point. But uh, uh, I'd heard about this new game called Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, I was your typical demographic. So you're, you know, you're looking at late 70s, early 80s, you know, um, you know, loved, you know, Lord of the Rings and swords and sorcery movies and all that kind of books. And, you know, they got me the um, Holmes box set. And eventually I started a group at school and then I bought that uh, that fancy new uh, Dungeon Master's Guide and the Player's Handbook and off to the races I went. So I've been I've been doing this for quite a while. I will I will partially age myself by saying my first Gen Con, for those who know what Gen Con is, was Gen Con 15. Okay. I'll let anybody who, who knows Gen Con do the math. If I remember correctly, Holmes was released about the same year as Star Wars Episode Four. Sounds um, about right. So you know, yeah, I was knocking around in the beginning in the hobby, and then too, um, and we were talking pre high school for me. So yeah, good. Um, and so, did you play Dungeons and Dragons? Presumably, from what you said there, advanced um, Dungeons and Dragons through, um, or did you switch systems along the way? Well, you know, it's interesting. I I think like a lot of people, I um, sort of of our demographic, I suppose played AD&D for quite a number of years and um, continued on through college. And then after college, you know, I 
you know, went to law school and I started working and I had got into a serious relationship and the time wasn't there anymore. So mm-hmm. I played, I played A&D, AD&D and, and sort of my friend group stuck with it. We introduced at one point, uh, we daringly introduced Unearthed Arcana to the, mm-hmm. um, to the game, but I never made it to second edition. Right. Um, you know, uh, when I would get together with my friends whenever we could, it ended up being, you know, we'd go back to the old standby. Um, Mm -hmm. And then at some point we actually morphed the campaign that I was running actually into a role master game. And I don't know how familiar you are with role master, but it's very, (laughs) yeah, you know, there's a reason it's called chart master. Um, And so uh, we started off by introducing that just as combat, and then we ultimately moved the whole thing over to 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 a, to a full role master game, and that's where we, I stayed for many years because I really wasn't gaming that much, you know, as I had a family and a house and a mortgage and job got very busy. Um, I never really had time to move off. Sometime in the toward the end of the. You know, you know, the, the first decade of the current century, I started getting back involved. And actually, it's interesting because we're recording this on July 27th, which is Gary Gygax Day. And I remember distinctly when he passed in 2008. And that was sort of when I started getting actually back involved. And a friend of mine had, had, had really stuck with it and he dragged me back and I got into some collecting of some of the old stuff that I'd either lost or had never gotten around to buying. Mm-hmm. And that was really sort of how I got back into it. Um, never really left the AD&D or BX type games behind. Started playing Call of Cthulhu, which I think actually in many ways is one of my favorites. And then when 5e came out i you know i started playing 5e so i went straight basically from effectively ad and d to 5e you know skipped over two three three five and four completely um and since then i actually retired from my old job three years ago Hmm. and um suddenly had time on my hands sounds fabulous when that happened, uh, I remember distinctly I announced on Facebook that I had finally pulled the trigger and I'd announced that I was going to be, be leaving my job at the end of the year. And I think the first post on my Facebook page was from Bill Webb at Frog God Games, which also owns Necromancer Games. Hmm. And he said, hey, you want to write for me? Right. And you just preempted my next question. That is, how did you get involved? So Yeah. I mean, you know, I, so I spent my whole life on the consumer side. Mm-hmm. And had never, you know, I've, I've had friends and I've known people in the business, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I'd never really done anything creative. But I was also the longtime, you know, DM of my mm-hmm. friend group. I was always the guy who had to run the games, you know, I was, you know, which, which is which is fine, but it gets, it gets old sometimes. But what that means is, is that I was always creating adventures. I I've created several campaign worlds. Like I think anybody, you know, who pretends to be a a DM has done, right. You know, we all do that. So I've created a bunch of campaign worlds and then some of this opportunity shows up to actually get on the other side. Mm -hmm. And, and I will tell you, you know, it's not like I, I'm not doing this for the money. Um, (laughs) 
no, nobody um, in sort of the small press area is, is, is doing more than sort of making, you know, beer money, to be yeah. honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a chance to actually be involved in this game system, in this, this environment that I'd always seen from the other side. And of course, so what's the first thing, you know, I get assigned to, which is World of the Lost Lambs, which is mm-hmm. a gargantuan, I don't even know how many pages it is. I don't even want to try to remember hundreds and hundreds of pages working with uh i think i think i was um so i I was both author and project manager i Mm. really jumped in full (laughs) and i had uh six other authors i think working for me i had an art director Uh, i I read and reread and and you know and edited the whole manuscript wrote large sections of it including all the introductory section collated the 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 timeline and what's complicated is that this is all based upon the entire product library of fraud guy games and most of necromancer games so you have to constantly try to coordinate all these adventures into a world where the honest truth is everybody was just writing an adventure they liked yeah and they weren't really intended many of them were not really intended to be all that consistent so it was a huge project. It took me, I don't even know if it was 18 months, basically, hmm. of, of, of active work on it before that was completed. But, but, I, but I, I, had, I, you know, I enjoyed it enough. It didn't chase me away. And then, <laughs> and then Bill Webb says, I, I know what your next project's going to be. It's like something small, I hope. <laughs> now, now, he gives me Necropolis instead. So this, this became my next project for him. And uh, hopefully I've done a good job. Before we get into that, I just wanted to ask, what is it that you personally enjoy most about role-playing games then? Uh, well, I'll tell you, um, I went to the North Texas convention back in June. Hmm. And um, it was the first one I'd been to since, I think, the 2019 Game Hall Con, mm-hmm. which is in November. And I'll tell you what I miss the most. It was just being with people who love gaming and getting a chance to sit around a table and throw some dice. Yeah. And after the game, go out and, you know, whether it was go grab a beer or, or just go get a sandwich or something and just talking to people. Um, there's a real camaraderie. And anybody who has not had a chance to attend one of the smaller conventions, I view it as a is a phenomenal experience. Um, you know, I've got a lot of friends now and many very close friends. The only reason I know them is because of gaming and that's, what's brought us together. And, you know, some of them live in Canada. Some of them live in the UK. Some of them live, you know, many of them now live in Texas all over the country, Mm. um, all over the world. And I, you know, so it's been a phenomenal thing and i just i i love getting together and 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 playing games uh the other part you know for the for the home group is i you know i I was a lawyer for 26 years it was my creative outlet it was it was you know we we all dream of writing the great american novel or or you know getting to be like you know john favreau and, and and create the next you know disney or marvel movie but most of us don't get to do that being a dm was always always my my creative outlet i'm creating this whole world and Mm -hmm. a landscape and a history and adventures within it 
and um, so from that side of the table, it was it was the creativity, and that's what's been fun about moving on to the the professional side is actually getting to use that creativity, and having more than just my you know eight or nine friends in my my gaming group hear about it. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the camaraderie is something I don't think I realized how much I missed hmm. until I was finally back there. And I realized how, how much of a hole that it created in my life. Yeah. I think like, I mean, over the last, what is it? 18 months or so now, I think I mean, we've all been pushed online, um, right. you know, big time. And I think there is this readiness, certainly here in the UK, there's this readiness to sort of get back around the table and roll those dice. Um, yeah. and, and there's nothing like it. You're right. It's an amazing thing. Well, it's 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 interactive. You're you're you you're, you're constantly doing things. You know, you, you go to you go to a movie with friends. You're sitting in a dark room. Um, it's it, it's very different. And um, so I I, I I was really happy to get back to Texas, and I'm looking forward to um, uh, the next one I'm going to go to is is Game Hall, which I think is in October of this year. So I'm going to miss Gen Con, unfortunately, but. Hmm can't have everything all right then what's necropolis and what's it got to do with gary gygax <laughs> and, and again it is a little ironic that we're talking on on, on gary gygax day the yep. it was, would have been his 83rd birthday so gary originally wrote necropolis uh it was published by by game designers workshop in i believe 92 mm-hmm. uh, for his dangerous journeys system which um, is not widely known or played, obviously. In 2002, uh, Necromancer Games bought Necropolis and uh, had it converted to D20. Hmm. And you can still get the you can still get both of these. They're still they're still available on eBay. You can certainly get copies out there. And, and it's and, and, and it was considered by Gary one of his you know, you know sort of sort of one of his premier later works, mm. you know in his in his life. He was very proud of it. He was very proud of the research he did. It is it is an Egyptian scenario. Mm-hmm. It was originally set in his Earth world, which was the Dangerous Journeys era, and it was egypt so Mm. you know put put an a in front of every e i guess and it becomes a different place and then when it moved to uh necromancer games they put it into the effectively their world of the lost lands Mm -hmm. which is ironically of course the book that i did a couple Mm. years back now and uh they moved it into a country called kemet which is is an ancient name for for egypt mm-hmm. um but it is indeed in the world of the lost lands and if you own the book then you'll find a section on kemet in there and you'll actually find entries that hint at this particular adventure mm-hmm. so at some point you know the decision was this is a this is a product that needs to get to a new audience should be reintroduced out there and so bill decided that he wanted to do a 5e update of necropolis Mm. and so i remember asking so i was gonna be the project manager originally like okay so you know somebody wrote the manuscript somebody already did all the work right oh yeah it's all it's all done um you know and i i i take a look at the manuscript and it it was not all done it it it, it, you know i think i think bill had had made some some notorial edit edits along the way Mm -hmm. um and I read it, and I, and it, it, it's an interesting 
there, there are parts of it that are very much, you know, Egyptian mummy type of, 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 of tropes, but it's done in a different way. It's got, the way it's, it's often been described, and this will be appreciated by some of the older school folks, it's basically, descri- it's described as, as Village of Hamlet mm-hmm. followed by Tomb of Horrors. Okay. And there's some similar, there's some truth to that. There is some truth to that. Uh, there is a good bit of opportunity for role playing in a, in, in a local village. You have to meet a lot of characters, learn a lot of information. There's some, then there's overland travel. You ultimately get to the entrance to this gorge, which acts as a necropolis. And a necropolis, of course, is just a, a place where people were buried. Um, city of the dead Um, and there's a whole bunch of tombs and then you're looking for a very specific tomb at the very end so I I read through the manuscript and I sort of got all of that but I also realized that it was originally written in 92 and when it was Mm -hmm. updated in 2002 it was a pretty literal update it was just changing the game system it wasn't it didn't change much else and a lot of gaming has changed since 92 uh, there are a lot of tropes that weren't as tropish back then, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, Gary had had written in some ways that I that, that I just don't think really comport with the way sort of people want to play their games now. It was a little bit lead lead you by the nose, yeah. to be honest. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, um, uh, I was reading Monty Cook wrote uh, a short article, which I think was published today, about uh, the first edition. Uh, Dungeon Master's Guide, and he's talking about the style, you know, Gygax's style, and how that was very appropriate for the time, and but which, of course, has aged. And then he goes on to talk about how he thinks we should write differently today. But um, yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that. That kind of uh, Gary was very forthright, shall we say? <laughs> yeah, well, he, he was absolutely very, very much. And, and look, there, there's a reason they call it High Gygaxian, right? Mm-hmm. It's there is there is a style. <laughs> I, I and I I love the first edition mm. Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, and of course, part of the reason I love it is because it's what I grew up with. Mm. It is incredibly evocatively written. Mm. There are enormous numbers of just gems that are worth reading and, and relearning. You know, how he was able to actually digest so much, um, I'll use the word wisdom, mm. about how to, 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 to run a game so early in the process after so little experience is truly mm. astonishing. It is also horribly organized. <laughs> um, it's hard to find anything if you don't know where to look. Now, you know, and I've got friends, and I used to be able to, when I was playing it, you, you could say, well, where's this table? And I'd say, oh, that's on page 73. Mm. You know, okay. You wouldn't know that if you hadn't memorized it. Um, but it's not exactly the most organized. Um, but yeah, there, there's styles of the way things were done back in the day. Um, you know, I've seen some sort of modern day critiques of Tomb of Horrors, for example, and, and I'm, I'm, I, I believe most of them are, are, are accurate. I, I think there was a bit more of a style as well back then of the DM as opponent hmm. to the players, that your job was to throw obstacles and make it harder for the players. And it was a little bit of an, you know, me versus you thing that is not really consistent, I think, with more modern sensibilities. And frankly, even the way I always ran the game, you know, back back in the day. Um, so th- there's there are a lot of things I felt needed to be updated. And then there were just places where I felt that 
you know, you get the sense that maybe maybe he ran out of ideas for for you know, because you know it's a big big adventure, mm. and I think there were a couple places where it was like I, I looked at some rooms and it was like, well, well, this doesn't really interest me that much. Mm. Uh, I'm going to change it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there were some of his usual Tomb of Horrorsy kinds of things where. You know, uh, the example I use is is you, you walk in a room, the door shuts behind you, and you're locked in. Mm-hmm. And there's a lever on the wall. If you push it up, the door is going to open. If you push it down, everybody in the room is subject to a disintegrate spell. Okay. And there's no way to know which way to push the lever. You just have to guess. Mm. That's, that's a very tomb, tomb of horrors, Gygaxian style. Um, I never liked that much. Um, and there's a fair amount of it in the original necropolis. Mm. Uh, I like it better when there's their hints. Mm. If you're a smart player and you think, and Gary did this in other places. I don't want to suggest that everything he did was like that, but he tended to put those kinds of things in there and I want a player who's smart to be able to figure out almost all of them. I did actually leave one in there where literally there's no way to figure it out. I suppose maybe if you start using communes, you might be able to get advice. But but short of magical assistance like that. But I left it in because it's part of the spirit of the original. And, uh, and, and it isn't going to wipe out the whole party. It, it might kill one individual. But, mm. but I figured, you know, every once in a while, a, a little bit of arbitrary death isn't a terrible thing to inflict on a party. But not too much. It's not fair. And it's no fun. So you talked a little bit about like you know, the relationship between the manuscript and where you're moving it to now, and some of that is in there. What about revising it for the fifth edition? Um, what did that take? That was actually surprisingly challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I learned was I started out uh, because I'd never, I, you know, I've always created my own adventures or bought adventures that were designed mostly for something. I didn't do a lot of conversion mm-hmm. historically. So my first instinct was, okay, well, I'll use the, the challenge rating system in fifth edition, and that's how I'll, I'll make sure that all the, the encounters are, are, are balanced. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. Um, it, it just did not work. And I found that I had to work really hard to find a way to make the encounters balanced. And part of the challenge is, you know, when you're writing an adventure for your home group, you know, your party's strengths, mm-hmm. you know, their weaknesses, you know, what kind of character classes they have. I don't know what kind of character classes are coming into this, this adventure mm-hmm. and writing for that was very challenging. And there's actually, because of that, I felt that, that there were a number of places I actually gave advice. There's like advice boxes to the, to the DM saying, you know, you should um, you know, take this into account when you're, you're doing this. Or, you know, if your party is really beat up at this point, you might decide to eliminate, you know, one or more of these creatures because it's really hard to plan not knowing. I mean, one, one, one easy example is, and again, this probably isn't a spoiler, but you know, there are traps in, in tombs, Mm -hmm. you know, some of those are magical traps and it matters a lot. If you've got a paladin with the party, who's giving everybody a bonus to their saves Mm -hmm. that changes the dynamic 
dramatically. You, you add plus two, plus three, plus four to the saves of everybody in the party, and the number of players who are likely to fail becomes much smaller. Eliminate the paladin and not have have that character there, and you could have the whole party fail their save potentially, you know, or or most of them. So it was actually I found that to be very challenging. I hope I succeeded. Um, I've play tested it a number of times, and I will say that uh, I can think of one specific encounter that one party literally just rolled through, mm-hmm. and another play test party had a much greater challenge with. And I can't necessarily put my finger on exactly why. So I modified it a little bit and uh, hopefully, you know, whoever runs it. And, and I'd say that this is, an, this is an adventure both for experienced players, but also an experienced DM. Hmm. You have to keep a lot in your head and you have to be prepared, I think, to improvise on the fly where something might not be working the way it should. Um, so, and it's a, a mid-level-ish kind of adventure, is it not? Um, well, I, I I view it as higher level. I mean, it, it depends upon how many players you have. Mm-hmm. Um, when I play tested it, I think I generally had either six, between six or eight mm-hmm. characters, which you know, eight's a large party these okay. days. Mm-hmm. Um, starting between seventh and eighth level. You could finish this thing, if you play it all the way through, you could have characters 13th, 14th level, I would think, without too much of a, of, mm-hmm. of a stretch. You decide to bring in a, a fourth level, you know, four characters, you're going to need a lot more than, you know, seventh level to start. So mm-hmm. a lot of it depends upon, the, I think, the size of, your, of, your, of, of the party. Um, you know, I actually had somebody, somebody actually asked the question, one of the Kickstarter questions was, comments was there a way to sort of scale this down to first level so it could be mm-hmm. an introductory adventure not without it not being this adventure yeah. this really requires a, a a fairly seasoned group of characters mm-hmm. and a fairly seasoned group of of players people who have you know if you don't think to look for traps as you're going along you know get that 10 <laughs> foot pole out you're going to be in a lot of trouble I, I i had a number of places where there could have been TPKs in this. And that's not easy to do necessarily in fifth edition, but you know, mm. I could have easily done it with this thing. So you heard it here first, folks. You know, you need a fairly big party and you must have a paladin. <laughs> <laughs> you don't must, but if I were going into this, I'd have seven or eight characters and I would definitely have a paladin. Although I would then point out that you probably can't get all of the all seven other characters around the paladin. So somebody's gonna have to be outside of the ten foot right range. Mm. And, and and as you're right, there's a swords and wizardry that adaptation as well being. Produced. And there's going to be yeah. So so the manuscript basically is going to lay out later this week, mm-hmm. um, may even be later today, depending upon how productive I am this afternoon. Um, and then uh, and at the same time, it'll it'll go for swords and wizardry conversion because you mm-hmm. can't, you know, uh, because it's such a different system. Mm-hmm. The uh, the layout is just it's done completely separately. That being said, my guess is the conversion in some respects, the conversion back will be a little easier Mm. because um, 
in a sense, you're converting almost like like you're sort of converting back to like the D20 in a sense, mm. in some ways. Uh, so uh, I don't know how long that how long that'll take, but but uh, but yeah. So there'll be two versions: swords and one swords and wizardry, um, and, and and one fifth. All right, so it's a desert adventure series essentially. You've got like the village, and you go off into the desert, and you find this, um, you know, this necropolis, and then you go looking for the thing you're looking for. Um, so, how is that particularly different from what's come before in terms of like desert adventures? I mean, I'm thinking about those classic modules, you know, that go back and have this theme. Um, so, what might give this a distinction? Yeah, well, and, and look, the, you know, ultimately, it's an Egyptian search for a tomb. Yeah. So always you know, cool. <laughs> we're 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 not you know, you know the goal here was not to sort of say let's totally break that that trope and do something mm. brand new. And and frankly, the other thing was you know my mission here was not to take you know the word necropolis and dream up you know Mark's adventure. It was to take yeah. the original necropolis um, and convert it. That being said. Um, you know, you know, a couple things I would say. First of all, there's a lot of room for 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 um, the DM to wander with this. Mm. There really is. There's a lot of background material, and then if you and you get even more, frankly, if you have World of the Lost Lands, and it may be, frankly, that a party might need a, a break. You may mm. not be able to go from A to B to C to D to E. Mm. Because they may get to B and you might realize they're not ready for C. Mm. And there's a lot of opportunities. Um, and, and in fact, one of the, um, the stretch goals that I, I think we will almost certainly reach is uh, the Temple of Set, which is an additional encounter that you could have somewhere that you could you know, lead the party off and, and, and get help them level up, maybe get a little more experience, a little more seasoning, and, and, and not just experience and experience points, but let the players get their head into the, the nature of, the, of, of this thing. Um, I really tried not to make it lead you by the nose mm. type thing. Now, without revealing spoilers, throws, I can't say what, but there is there, there there are stages you have to go through. Mm. You can't if you skip over a stage, you're going to miss something, and you may not be able to achieve final victory at the end. So it is important, but I tried to build in instead of sort of you know saying you know hey you know DM make sure they, 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 they don't forget to go to this place. I, I've tried to create enough background motivation that the party should figure it out on their own if they're thoughtful. Mm -hmm. um, th this, is, it, it, this is a thinking player's adventure as much as it is combat. Yeah. And, there, and there's a lot of combat. There's a lot of beasties to kill. There's a lot of undead. It's, it's, it's a necropolis. You expect a lot of undead. Might need a cleric too, as I think about it. Uh, <laughs> but how you go about it, you, know, you, uh, you need to do some serious role playing, especially early on, to get the right information, to meet the right people, to learn what you need to learn, um, to not make the wrong enemies, but to figure out who your enemies might be. There's a lot. There's a lot of that in this. Um, there's a you know some very interesting and some of my favorite tricks and traps that I think I've ever created, um, and, and many of them were not in the original. So if you if somebody's played this before and go, I, I I can figure this out. Yeah, you might not want to go into that room that you thought was safe before. It may not be safe anymore. 
And the other thing I would say is, is I would guess just based upon how much time I play tested it, if you're a gaming group and you play this once a week, you've got probably a couple of months worth of material at least. Mm. And, you know, not every adventure out there gives you that much material, but also scope and room to really roam if that's what your party wants to do. You know, if, if, if you want to do this as a forced march as a DM, and there's some advice in the book, you know, you can sort of lead them from A to B to C to D to E and just play it out and then move on to your next adventure if that's what you want. If you don't want that, you can really use this as, as almost sort of like a, an overarching set of adventures that would occur, you know, in, in this, this region and, you, and, and, and use it to explore the whole region. And if you don't like any of that, I think there's some really cool ideas in here that you could steal if you're just looking for some material. Um, and, and if you didn't even want it to be, you know, Egyptian type focused um, in Kemet, a DM with, without, you know, enormous amounts of work could at least take large parts of this and convert it into whatever other type of, 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 of adventure you want it, you want it to be. As I've got the, uh, you know, the project manager of the Lost Lands book, um, I have to ask really, you know, what, what is it adding to the larger setting? Because you mentioned that Kemet's in that setting book and, right. you know, there's some stuff there. Um, how much does this expand out? What does this really add? Well, it adds, a, I think it, it adds quite a bit, frankly. Um, mm. You know, so the local village of Artuat gets a paragraph in the Lost Land setting. You know, it is the first major encounter area. We've got maps of the village and the interiors mm. and all the NPCs. And the way this is done with the NPCs, uh, each NPC gets, you know, a short, at least a short couple of sentences and some get a full paragraph describing their character motivations and who they are so if you want to role play them so, so you get this you get the entire village uh, there are i believe 50 or so new monsters in this thing uh, most of them were in the original uh, not all of them I, I did create a few new ones but they've generally not been published elsewhere, and now they're updated for 5e, so you get a lot a lot of that. There's additional material in the appendices that we're including that include such things as random, uh, you know, outdoor random encounters and weather. Uh, the calendar is actually built out, which was not included in, uh, so if you want to keep track in the local calendar, uh, there's all sorts of other, other background material and then on top of that if you, if you if you do back the kickstarter uh we have the uh a couple of uh virtual tabletop options that people can buy and a couple of the stretch goals are going to be uh you know vtt compatible you know uh, encounter locations maps so if you want to have an encounter in the desert or in the gorge you've got maps ready made to use for that as well and you can use it for anything you don't have to use that obviously for this you could use it somewhere else in your campaign so there's there, there really is a lot here and of course you get a lot of flavor of of the country by working your way through the adventure and, and there's a couple of there's a couple places where there's some hints of other adventures that might exist somewhere if the dm is so inclined to expand that there's there's one particular encounter that really does give 
and again, I wish I could say what it was, but it would be a spoiler. But uh, th th that really lets the DM, if, if you want to turn this into a much bigger campaign, there's one particular room you could use that that could really be a springboard for you know it becoming a vast campaign. And if you finish this adventure at 13th level, you're ready for some serious challenges in, in the country. So it's, um, it, 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 like I said, it, this is pretty cool. In a sense, I, I'm sorry I wrote it because I can't read it afresh anymore. You know, I'm too close to it. But uh, everybody everybody who's read it so far is, has liked it and all the playtesters seem to have enjoyed it. So mm -hmm. I think, I think, it's, I think it's a good one. And it, it, so yes, it plays on some of the same tropes, but it does it differently, and I and it gives a lot of material um, mm. that I think a DM could either use to run this adventure or steal to run their own. What have you found most exciting or, or rewarding on a personal level in doing this project? You know, I I almost always sort of answer answer that that type of question the same way, and it was something that I probably wouldn't have expected when I first started this start on the on the professional side. Um, I will say, obviously, one part of it is just seeing your name on a book that's actually out there being published. That's kind of cool, right? Mm -hmm. It means I've, I'm really part of this industry that I grew up in. Mm. You, know, um, you know, no, I'm not one of the, 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 you know, the biggest names that are out there, but, but I'm on that list now somewhere. Mm -hmm. But in a sense, the, the, the part that, I've, that, that I really get a kick out of every time, and this happened in the world of Lost Lands, uh, and, and it happened here is I've got an encounter and I look at, you know, and I got the, you know, I've written it out and I've got, you know, all the description of what it looks like. And I think, you know, this would be something that really needs a piece of artwork. Hmm. And so I, I'll contact Casey Christofferson, who's our, their art director for, for Frog God. And sometimes I'll explain what I want. A couple times, mo more horrifically, I actually did my own sketch <laughs> okay. which which anybody you know you know i i am i am the stick figure type of of you know i can do a pretty mean map oh you know, my my art my figures are are horrible i you know stick figures at best but i would do i would do sort of sort of a sketch and i'd send it to casey and then sometime later i'd get you know notice that there's a dropbox link and i'd pull up the dropbox and there's the image hmm. of what i had written done by a professional artist. And what I discovered was there's, there's, there's generally one of two reactions. One is, that's exactly how I imagined it. Mm -hmm. The second reaction is, that's not how I imagined it. It's cooler than I imagined it. <laughs> I've got to actually make changes to the text to match the art. Mm -hmm. And you know, w when you're a longtime DM, and you create your adventures, unless you happen to know or be possibly married to a professional artist, you know, you don't get the chance to have professional art done for your creations. Mm -hmm. And I was able to do that uh, in both these books. And that, and, and that really was something, you know, uh, something I, I, I really enjoyed the other thing i would also have to note is is the main map of the tomb is being done by the incomparable Alyssa faden mm -hmm. um who has been streaming on her own 
channel, Twitch, I think originally and now YouTube, uh, working on the map. And a couple times I would pop into the chat while she was doing it. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. Room, room, room 23, you got that wrong. Go back and reread it. <laughs> and then we'd have conversations later. Uh, she also loves putting Easter eggs in her maps. Mm-hmm. And in one particular area, she put some things in there that were not in my text at all. And I called her up and I said, Alyssa, what did you do here? And she said, ah, that area was just so boring. I wanted to add something. Yeah. And she said, look, I'll take it out if I'm going to take No, 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 no. Leave it in there. And so then I wrote an encounter around the Easter egg she had hidden in mm-hmm. the map. Yeah. Uh, that's also you know the collaborative aspect mm-hmm. you know is something you don't usually get either as a dm or frankly as a writer usually you're just sitting in a you know you know in a room in your house in front of a computer you know late at night sucking down coffee or diet dr pepper or something and trying to figure out what what should be in the next room um, getting to collaborate with both the artists and with Alyssa was really one of the most rewarding parts of this process. Yeah, wow, her maps are gorgeous. Oh yes, and 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 the level of detail is insane. Mm. It is you you can keep zooming further and further in. I don't think there's any limit. Actually, I mean that's something worth commenting on, isn't it? I mean, for those who don't know, you know, Frog God Games has always produced these really high quality, um, you know, books, really beautiful and over the years that's the artwork and everything else and this is full color yeah oh yes yeah i mean th- th- we are going to keep the original necropolis was was uh had a full color cover but it was a black and white interior mm-hmm. some of the art was so phenomenal uh, we had to keep it so mm-hmm. so the so so a lot of the interior art i've tried to retain from the original books except mm-hmm. to the extent that i changed an encounter and it no longer mm-hmm. applied because some of it was phenomenal but um, if you go to the, the Kickstarter page and you look at the art that's been put up on there, or if you watch the video, all that was newly commissioned. It's all going to be in the book and it's brilliant full color. So, yeah, I mean, and, and, and I will say, I mean, the, the Frog God books, you know, they're library stitched. Uh, uh, sadly, I, I will note that's that's U.S domestic only mm-hmm. international is going to be a print on demand alternative um hopefully someday we'll be able to figure out a way to uh safely securely and uh not outrageously expensively ship outside the u.s but in, in the u.s uh the books you know could, could withstand you know a baseball bat being taken to them um but all of them are going to have the full color and just you know and the maps it just it really is phenomenal stuff i mean it's one of those things where you know i, you know, I can only be as good as the people around me hmm. are i need the cartographers robert Alt, altbauer and Alyssa faden i need the artists um to be able to do everything that surrounds the work and makes it really pop my text unfortunately or fortunately if you look at it the text is not going to initially sell the book right it, it's the appearance mm. and and it adds a huge amount of the value the text can be the best it can be the best adventure in the world but if there's if the maps aren't any good and, and, the, and, and the art isn't any good it's going to be hard to play play the adventure no matter how well written it is um, hopefully this is a well-written adventure 
but this other stuff makes it so much easier. You know, the players reach reach a point. You can hold up a map and, or hold, you know, hold up the artwork and say, this is what you see. Mm-hmm. And um, or, or do it electronically, depending upon if you're, you know, if you're playing over a virtual tabletop. Okay, so what kind of stuff? I mean, you talked a little bit about sort of side panels for the GM and advice and bits and pieces. What's the book do that sort of helps the busy GM prepare? Because these big adventures, they can be pretty daunting, right? So, what stuff's yeah. in there that guides the way? Well, and, and that's one of the things that I really felt in this one needed a lot of guideposts for the GM. Uh, I, I felt this was there really was a need to put some real effort into providing. Um, the background. Uh, I tried not to do it. You know, the, the, you know, part of the advantage of being a multi-stage adventure was you can provide a bunch of the background at the beginning, enough to be able to play that. And then when you get later on, you can give more of the background. So it isn't like you're sitting there reading a history tome or something, which obviously is difficult. Yeah. So partly it was it was giving giving uh, the DM all the information they need when they need it. Yeah. Not too soon, but not too late either. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to be able to understand what what the ultimate goal is. So some of it was just really being thoughtful. This is a complicated adventure. This is mm-hmm. not you know, this is not something that you can just you know pull the book off the shelf, <laughs> flip through it for twenty minutes, and then say, "Okay, I'm ready for my noon game." Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. Uh, you need to, as a DM, you need to prepare. Um, I'd say not only is this a challenging adventure for players, it's a challenging adventure for DMs. So I tried to really lay out as much as possible. Um, I tried to provide alternatives in a few places. Mm. Um, you know, again, depending upon, you know, whether the party got unlucky, for example, it can sometimes just happen that everybody rolls and nobody rolls over a five. Yeah. You know, it happens. And if that happens, what you don't want to basically say is, well, that kind of sucks, guys. You're dead. <laughs> you know, sorry. Um, so, I, I, so, so, so there are some guideposts for how you can handle some of those situations so that it doesn't, you know. And, and I, I, know, I know there are some people who will say, well, look, you know, I, I, I play it as written. You know, I want the party to have to figure this. You know, look, I'm, <laughs> I used to be the DM you know, who just ran my own games. Now I'm writing one. Mm-hmm. I didn't suddenly become a different person just because Bill Webb let me write a book. <laughs> you know, it's, it's um, the fact that I wrote it some way doesn't mean that that's the way you, when you're running it, have to play it. Mm-hmm. And if it didn't work for your party for just whatever reason, go ahead and change it. And I try to provide some of those places where I felt that it could really be challenging, some real guideposts for how they could go about thinking about uh, how could I change this so it's not as, as difficult or, or, or more difficult, potentially. You, know, you also don't want the party to just be rampaging through things that they should be finding challenging. And there's a couple places where the consequences of the wrong decision are pretty severe. And whether you want that to apply or not, I think... Uh, is is you know, each gaming group will have a different decision. There are some players who are totally happy with the, you know, um, the old style, as you remember, make a poison save. Up, oh, you're old. Uh, uh, you failed. Your your character is dead. Oh oh, you don't have any any remove poison in the party. Sorry, 
they take your body home. Now, we all know what happened, of course. 20 minutes later, your, your twin brother or sister showed up to take your place, right? You know, nobody ever really, and, and, and lo and behold, maybe lost only a level. You know, that's how, that's how we played it back in the day. You know, you, 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 you fail to save against the Medusa, you know, and, and, and then somebody else shows up, you know, to take, take your place. So, you know, I, I, th- I think we, we can get hung up really on playing the game a certain way. And just because I wrote it doesn't mean that's the right way to play it. You know your players better than I ever possibly could. You know your your party's composition. And you know what they enjoy. If you got a bunch of players who are thrilled to roll up new characters every other day, great. If you've got a party of players who really love their characters, maybe you shouldn't run them through Necropolis at all. But if you do, <laughs> you should be thoughtful about it. Uh, this is not an adventure for the faint of heart let's put it that way this this is gary intended this when he wrote it to be not tomb of horrors level but a real challenge and i viewed it as part of my mission to keep that that spirit that if you're a really good party and you make it through you really earned something by doing it it wasn't just you know yeah but it's because we were x level and therefore could just smash the whole thing to bits you, know, you really have to you know, somebody who finishes this should be really proud of themselves all right then sum it up for us then i mean you've talked a lot okay about a lot of different things but why should people back this book because i really want them to that's not a good enough reason <laughs> uh i mean i mean look you know i i think this 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 is is one of those things that is you know if you draw the venn diagram between sort of old school and 5e this this is one of those things that fits smack dab, you know, right in that Venn diagram, you know, in, in the intersection. It's it's got a real old school feel. Uh, I mean, how could it not? It was written mm. by the original old school writer, um, you know, as as adapted by me and, and updated and modified by me. Uh, but it's also I think I, I think it works very well for you know, modern gameplay, and it works really well as a 5e adventure. And I'm, and it will also work really well as a Swords and Wizardry if you'd prefer uh, really old school as well, because that's what it is. Um, you know, if, if you're interested in exploring something that's off the beaten path, it's not just another European medieval high fantasy game with different gods, and but still recognizable. We still use the same pantheon that most everybody knows although there may be some tweaks in terms of certain of the deities that you might not entirely always expect but it's something you know that lets you explore a different culture a different area but it's also not as difficult as like empire of the petal throne or something you know Mm -hmm. it's still something that's very relatable and it's really got that old school adventuring feel for you know, two different systems. So I think, and on top of that, you got great art and great cartography. I think, uh, you know, I think you'll, I think people will have a lot of fun playing it and properly run. You got months of material. So it's a bargain at any price. (laughs) Well, thank you, Mark. That's brilliant. Uh, Have you got any last words on it? Anything we've not covered that you just wanted to mention? I don't think so. I mean, obviously, as I said earlier, it takes a team to make these things. And I'm just I'm blessed with some great people to work with. 
Um, and, and I'm not going to name names because I'll, I'll forget too many people. <laughs> but the Frog God uh, ne Necromancer folks, they've put together a great team from you know the editors and layout, cartography. Um, you, this is not something that you know Mark Greenberg did you know in a weekend. And I, I've got to thank everybody else's efforts on this because that's what's going to make this such a phenomenal book for people. Um, so. You know, it's it, it takes a team and, and I'm and I'm proud to be part of a good one. Mark Greenberg, thanks very, very much for your time. I really thank appreciate you. it. Especially what better way to celebrate Gary Gygax Day for me. Uh, so thank you so very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. And that's that. Thanks to Mark Greenberg from Necromancer Games for joining us. I'll make sure to drop the links to the Necropolis Kickstarter on now until Saturday, August the 21st, 2021. I'll put that in the show notes, so don't forget to go and back it. If you enjoyed the show and you want to support the podcast, please share this episode on social media. Uh, please also consider leaving a review or a positive rating. This helps Necromancer Games get the word out to interested parties. I mean, I've lost count of the times I missed out on a Kickstarter because I simply didn't hear about it in time. As ever, thanks to TJ Drennan for the main theme music and stingers. Thanks to Anchor for airing and distributing the podcast to a huge range of podcatching services. And thanks to you, the listener. Well, for listening. I'm Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. Game on. <laughs>